Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Let's get going here. We'll just jump straight in. Why bother with small talk? So, Motorola has a new has a new rollable phone concept coming out here, and it is. I feel like Motorola recently has been doing a lot of concepts and not a lot of actual like kind of lit products. The only thing that they have that's kind of a cool product is the razor. That's kind of it. So. If you're tired of foldables, rollables are going to be your next, you know, innovation that's going on here. So this one rolls vertically here, and it looks sick when doing it. But I, I, I don't know. Rolling phones that go vertically seem kind of pointless for me. Um, why would you want something smaller that rolls bigger, I guess? Like taller? I don't know what the benefit there is. But they showed this off at the Lenovo Tech World 2022 or Lenovo Tech World 22. Sorry, I added the 2022. But yeah, I just it reviews, it rolls down, you know, hidden selfie camera and speaker for phone calls. This is kind of similar to the pop-up cameras that were around for a little while, but it also does the display. It's cool. It's it's interesting. It's out there. It's not much to say about it. But yeah, it displays vertically, horizontally, giving a larger display area. The new concept aims to, you know, provide users with more immersive experience while using their smartphones. Uh, how do you think this concept will affect the smartphone industry and its users? I think these concepts for phones, well, cool, just aren't going to ever be a real thing. I don't see the... I mean, if you can explain the benefit to me of having a rolling phone versus a folding phone, I think once phones get thin enough, folding is just going to make more sense and... Why would I want a rolling phone? Like something like a snap-on one would be kind of cool, but I don't know if you need to be rolling for that. Do you think this new concept will be successful in the market? No, I think these are going to be way more fragile. Like I think we think folding phones as pretty fragile, and I think they are, but I think these are going to blow it out of the water in terms of fragility. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a chance for these things, but we'll, we'll find out, I guess. Next up, and this is the first topic I like really wanted to talk about. I feel like we had to include the Motorola one, but... Ford and Volkswagen are re- teasing their first um, MEB, which is, which is a pro- I believe, a platform that Volkswagen has been working on, similar to uh, Skate from, I think, Rivian's doing Skates, so that all their vehicles are kind of built on the same platform. This is kind of the same thing from Volkswagen here, and Ford's using it, and they're going to unveil this on March 21st, and to be completely honest, it kind of looks exactly like a Ford Escape. I don't know why. When I look at this, I get an Alfa Romeo looking SUV in my head, but all we can see is the headlights and, you know, the rough body. So there's not much really to go on that way. It'll be built in Germany and will launch in Europe first and then released in other markets. Uh, This is part of an alliance between Ford and Volkswagen that'll probably be continuing here. And, you know, they're going to be developing and producing more electric vehicles together. So what are the advantages that Ford gains here? I think it's going to be way easier for companies to build these electric cars if they're working together to make these skates, basically, that, you know, maybe you have seven, eight skates, and that kind of is your entire lineup of vehicles. Just be super easy to put it together. Uh, The other notes that I just put here from the article are just, it's comparable to the ID4, about 300 miles this range is what we're expecting here. Uh, the same platform is going to be used by several uh, Volkswagen brands, including Audi and Skoda, to produce Skoda. I think it's Skoda. My bad. 
to produce electric vehicles. And yeah, I mean, how do you think this, yeah, this is kind of the same two questions here. I, you know, I think this benefits Volkswagen too, because they get to manufacture more cars, which is more money. And you can't complain about more money when you're doing stuff like this. Next up was the electric vehicles. The Tesla Cybertruck was spotted with a new black uh, tonneau cover, and it looks a little more, a lot more refined. It's got the, you know, mirrors, lights, and yeah, black tonneau cover. It, it looks pretty dank with the tonneau cover and seeing the like scenery wash over the uh, like pyramid, I guess, of the middle looks kind of cool too. And I think this, like, it's supposed to go into manufacturing this year. It'll be interesting to see how much it really costs Tesla to build this thing. Because for one, the materials aren't going to be cheap. And for two, no one's ever built a truck or vehicle this tanky for the average person. And we'll see how successful it really ends up being. How many of those pre-orders got canceled and didn't get canceled. So this tonal cover is made of the same, you know, steel alloy that they've been using for the everything else in the cyber truck and yeah it's just coming soon we're almost here for realsies instead of when it was promised but let's go better than never i guess so i have two discussion questions and i one of them i wrote and it's you know tesla's first few delivery vehicles first couple thousand first year ten thousand delivery vehicles of a new design always have weird gaps and weird issues as they come off the line and they just kind of deliver those and then fix them fix it in post i guess you could say and i wonder how that's going to look with a vehicle that's going to be made out of such a hard material because it's not like it's going to be super workable after like not that normal cars are but it's easier to like put the piece back on for a car that's made out of you know plasticky fiberglass bs Versus cold rolled steel. I feel like that's going to make it a little a little hard. We'll find out, I guess, as we go here. But I, it seems interesting. So what other features and updates do you think Tesla can make to the Cybertruck to make it more appealing? I think it would benefit Tesla if they also did a regular-ish looking truck. Not that the Cybertruck, I think, is going to do bad. But I think we could probably, you know, help people come into the market if they also did a regular one because no one still competes with Tesla on range, I guess on power, some kind of do and autopilot. No one competes on those fronts quite yet the same way Tesla does. So it'd be nice to see them do something similar to that. And, you know, we'll see if this really does change how vehicles are made and they start doing more tanky vehicles like this made out of some harder materials. I'm guessing the safety is going to be off the charts with something like this, so maybe other people will follow. We're going to find out in the coming days, and no one really knows yet. But speaking of electric trucks, the Ram 1500 EV uh, was shown off at you know this the Super Bowl. They just bought a Super Bowl ad, and so this is the 2024 Ram 1500 REV. Uh, I think I added the R. Not really sure, but electric pickup trucks, you know one of the biggest things for the world of EV markets and it's already sold out of reservations. So the truck is expected to have a range of up to 500 miles on a single charge. So right up there with the cyber truck, somebody's starting, you know, catch up a, a wee bit capable of towing 11,000 pounds. 
It'll be made right here in North America at the same factory where the gas-powered Ram 1500 is made and is expected to go on sale in late 2023. So at the end of this year, possibly, assuming they are capable of what they're putting out. I do wonder for that 500 miles how gigantic that battery is going to be. We don't know enough yet to really know, but it'll be interesting to see. So do you think other automakers will follow suit and offer electric pickup trucks with similar capabilities and features? I think the specs of the Ram, so I prefer the look of the Ram over the Lightning, and I think that if the Lightning would have come out with similar specs to what the Ram's toting right now, that that would have been a much bigger success. Most people with an F-150 get like, you know, 600, 800 miles out of a gas tank because the gas tanks are so big. I don't expect to get that with an electric vehicle, but I think they could have gotten closer than they kind of really did. So hopefully that's what ends up coming out of this is just we're getting competition in the EV world, especially for trucks. So I hope that's what we keep seeing here is pushing these companies to do more and more and more with their vehicles. So hopefully that actually, you know, comes to fruition. So I'm going to skip this next one because I kind of want to talk about it last because it's stupid and funny and I... I find it funny. So for our last thing today, we have another electric vehicle, which is the Genesis GV70, which on February 21st, the first one rolled off the line at Hyundai's plant in Montgomery, Alabama, another car being made in North America. So I think these cars are going to, I think EVs are going to start to be made in North America a lot more. And I think the reason behind that is, for one, they're just heavier. And two, they're building these new production lines anyways. And the U.S. is super trying to convince people to start building stuff here. So I think that's why we're going to start seeing that a lot more. And I think that's a good thing overall. And it is, I mean, this is some wild stuff. So Hyundai's Genesis line has never been made anywhere outside of South Korea. So this is the first genesis model to ever enter production in the united states and first ever genesis model produced outside of south korea so genesis announced you know that the gv70 will produce at the alabama plant alongside the gasoline version and the genesis is expected to be equipped with like a around a 77 kilowatt hour battery pack capable of 283 miles on a single charge i kind of wish they would have put 100 kilowatt pack in there because i think we could have bumped that up to you know 350 ish which would have been a good that would have been a good for an suv the problem with putting these smaller packs in there i think 100 is about the sweet spot especially as things get more and more efficient but i think the problem with putting just a 100 kilowatt hour pack or 77 kilowatt hour pack in there is you get your 283 miles of range now that's fine in most of the southern of the u.s and stuff close to the equator but the second you go away from there and say you want to drive your genesis in the winter that range on you know the end of december through end of february maybe mid early december you're gonna get half that range now you only have 140 miles and depending on how cold it really is you might get even less so the problem with doing lower mileage range like that is just you lose range so fast in cold environments that you just you can't do these low battery packs if your efficiency is not going to be that much higher. And if your efficiency is going to rely on temperature a bunch, then forget it. Just put the bigger pack in there. But how, do, how does this you know vehicle affect the market? 
the question everybody wants to know. I think it's good. I think SUVs, trucks are kind of the bigger candidates for going electric first. I think that SUVs, or not SUVs, I think regular sedans are going to be harder to kind of breach that market just for, I think a lot of people that buy sedans are buying them because they're cheap and small. And I think EVs, well, can be small. If you go small, you go small battery, range is gone. So I think that this will help going this way first because this is where most people shop is SUVs anyways and then probably, you know, pickup trucks and then sedans. So maybe not specifically in that order, but roughly in that order. And I think that's why going this way first is going to be much smarter for them to do. So what steps do you think that do you need to think? Wait, what steps do you think automakers need to take to ensure their electric vehicles are accessible and affordable for the average consumer? think that it's just going to take time. <laughs> the components are expensive. Batteries need to start using different materials. The problem right now is battery materials are expensive and take a lot of money to make. So they need to figure out a way to make that cheaper. And if not, then we're just going to have to wait for these vehicles to drop down into the used market and come down in price till they reach a lot of consumers. And there's just there's not much you're going to be able to do about that. You're going to have to just kind of wait. But it's, it's good to see that these even higher-end brands are getting into it, which is amazing. For our last article, and this one is purely, uh, it's, you could say it's tech-related. It's not, but it's tech-related. And this is a vibrator that you swallow, and it makes you poop. That was a horrible way to say that. It's the Vibrant Smart Capsule, uh, which is a new technology that uses vibrations to help people with bowel movements. Uh, the capsule is equipped with a plethora of sensors and microprocessors to measure the level of pressure in the colon, and it'll transmit it right to your phone in case you wanted to know how explosive you really are going to be. So it will tell you everything from the time ingested, uh, when it's vibrating, strength of vibration, duration of vibration, the time it passes out of the body, which is kind of wild. Uh, it has a pressure sensor, so that will detect, you know, the contractions of the colon and measure the pressure changes in the gut. Temperature sensor, in case you're wondering how hot you really are inside. Also, will help identify if you have a fever. In case you were already wondering if you had a fever. pH sensor, so the acidity levels in the gut, which can help with acid reflux. Gas sensors, detect the pressure of the presence of gas in the duct. Which can, you know, be an indication of bloating, constipation, or digestive problems. So again, if you really want to know how explosive you're about to be. This is where it's at. So what are some potential benefits of this capsule beyond just helping you poop? I'm guessing they can use stuff like this and even help you. This didn't mention a price of this, which I'm kind of wondering how much it is to swallow one of these. But I think this will be more helpful than just this. This is like one use case for it. I think you can put other sensors in there and probably figure out other diseases, help with other diseases and stuff like that as well. I just, the article headline, man, it got me. I got clickbaited. I'm, I'm just going to say I got clickbaited. So some potential concerns or drawbacks with this technology. Uh, you're swallowing radiation because there's a battery in there. I don't know if it's enough to do anything, but you are. I mean, if you want to swallow radiation, it's up to you. Just why? I mean... The, with how small the pill is, I mean, technology is really getting powerful at a small size. 
and the fact that I could really understand what the pressure levels in my body are doing just right on my phone. I don't need to go to the doctor anymore. I want to know if I'm going to poop. I want to know exactly what time I'm going to have to take a break and go drop one in the toilet. And this will tell me. I'll get a pretty good indication. I would guess after a little while, if you repeat it, I don't know how many times you can swallow this or how you change the battery or if you'd want to repeatedly swallow it, but how long till I can predict my poop down to the minute? I'm going to be like, yeah, in the next like, you know, 25, 30 minutes, I'm going to have to do it. I don't have to right now. I don't feel like I have to right now, but I can tell because I swallowed a vibrator to tell me when I have to. But when will I have to poop? I mean, it's a great question. Only for the royalist of royal thrones would you need to know this. So draw, <laughs> draw facts and concerns about this. Just <laughs> why? I mean, obviously there's probably good reasons. Some people actually probably need to know when their body's going to explode. I wonder if it can detect stuff like appendicitis or whatever else too. I don't know if there's any way to do that. I don't, I don't know. I'm not medical. I'm not a doctor, but I'm telling you what I'd use it for. Anyways, thanks for watching this episode, and I'll catch you guys in the next one.